How's it going, everybody? Chris Trapasso here. Welcome in to another episode of the Prospect Podcast. I am in an especially great mood today because college football is back. We're just a day away from the start of the NFL season, and we have fans. Like, how awesome was Camp Randall in Wisconsin uh, doing the jump around before the start of the fourth quarter or the scene to kick off or one of the games to kick off the college football season? Uh, at Lane Stadium at Virginia Tech with Enter Sandman before the game. And just, I thought Doak Campbell Stadium for Florida State Notre Dame on Sunday night was raucous, super duper loud. And of course, with the start of college football season, we're past week zero, we're through week one now. A lot to take in from an NFL draft perspective, although it is very early. And I posted a couple of TikToks, Jalen Catalan from Arkansas, one of my I'm going to say early draft crushes, even though he is only um, a redshirt sophomore. Two more interceptions. One was on a deflection. One was kind of on an overthrow. I posted a TikTok of two tackles for loss that he had where his explosion was just through the roof. And I think Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame, who also had two interceptions in his debut, is, of course, the better safety prospect. But I think Catalan is the most explosive safety prospect in the country. He's a redshirt sophomore, so he is draft eligible. And from those TikTok or from that TikTok, a lot of people, hey, it was against Rice. It's only one game in. Don't crown anyone too early. I get that. But I'm not just gonna not give you analysis on this podcast or at CBSSports.com until like October or November. This is a year-round thing for me covering the NFL draft. I was very impressed with Jalen Catalan, of course, Kyle Hamilton, another player on the other side of the ball. And I'm going to be doing wide receiver watch every couple weeks at CBSSports.com, like I have the past few seasons. Chris Olave from Ohio State. And I was a touch lower on him than most people coming into this draft cycle or, or this college football season because for as much as separation is king in the NFL and we're all enamored with who the best route runner is and all of these intricate routes that guys like Devonte Adams and Stefan Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins can run. All of those receivers too are so special after the catch when it comes to making defenders miss contact balance vision, like a running back. And I just did not see that from Chris Olave in 2019 or even last year. I think he does run very good routes, but I was really impressed with what he did on his four catches for 117 yards with two scores in that 14-point win from Ohio State that didn't really feel like a 14-point win. The Gophers played him very tough in Minneapolis, but Olave, on those four catches, two of them he showcased that he's not going to be complacent this season, or he at least indicated that he's not going to be complacent just running out of bounds or just going down on first contact and moving the chains and not risking injury or, or not risking fumbling the football. There's back jukes. He decided not to go out of bounds on his second touchdown. I think Chris Olave early in his Ohio State career would not have scored that second touchdown where he back juke to defender and continued up the field. There was kind of a clear lane for him because there was good blocking deep down the field. And that was, you know, hats off to that uh, Ohio state receiver group that is so talented. I just liked that. I saw that from him that like of all the top wide receivers in week one, Chris Olave 
was the most impressive to me. And I think he did the most for his stock because that was the clear cut weakness. We knew he was going to run good routes. We knew Chris Olave could track the football like a first rounder, run routes like a first rounder, and he's been productive like a first rounder. But after the catch left a lot to be desired for me, and he showed, was only on four catches, that he can be a little bit dynamic after the catch. We'll see throughout his Big Ten season, and then most likely as Ohio State plays either in a big bowl game or gets to another college football playoff, it seems somewhat likely, especially with the way that C.J. Stroud, the new quarterback for Ohio State, played in that second half. See how he does against an Alabama or a Georgia or whatever team it may be in that college football playoff. But if Chris Olave continues to track toward what he showed against Minnesota, I think he is in for not just a big season, but well on his way to cementing himself as probably the first overall pick or the first overall wide receiver in the 2022 draft class. Switching gears for a second from college to the NFL. The NFL season begins tomorrow, and it makes perfect sense to give some season predictions. And I've kind of like shied away from these in the past because I was like, there's no need to do it. I, I didn't, it wasn't an assignment for me. Uh, but I I did give some predictions this year for the CBS Sports NFL staff. That article is up on CBSSports.com right now. I'll just run through these with a little bit of justification for each. Uh, we used a few at the beginning uh, categories that are not necessarily awards or anything specific. We kind of just made them up. The top team on the rise, I think, will be the Los Angeles Chargers. Justin Herbert is probably not going to be as good under pressure as he was last year. They normally regress back to the mean when you post almost 100 quarterback rating under pressure. But because of the better offensive line, I think he won't be uh, so frantic inside the pocket even though that wasn't a huge issue last year. He's going to take a step forward from a clean pocket. I like his weapons. They're kind of underrated, like perennially underrated Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and then Josh Palmer, the wide receiver third-round pick out of Tennessee. I really liked him a lot in the draft process. And just on defense, if Derwin James can stay healthy, and I know at this point that is a huge if, the defense will be a lot better. They lose Melvin Ingram, but he was kind of on his last legs. I think Joey Bosa, of course, is in for another huge year. I like that they bring in Brandon Staley from across town, or in the same stadium, I should say. It's not really across town. Brandon Staley is going to do everything in his power schematically to limit big plays. That is what the Rams did defensively the past couple of seasons. Certainly it helped to have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and some other low-key stars like Darius Williams, um, John Johnson. But I think the Chargers have the ability to be really good defensively as well. So they're going to be a team on the rise. They're going to make the playoffs. The top team on the decline, the Baltimore Ravens. And that's not a hit on Lamar Jackson. He's going to probably rush for over 1,000 yards. And I think he'll show some people that he is capable as a passer. Is he in the elite tier as a passer probably not is he even in the second tier i think he'll creep toward the bottom of that second tier because he is a talented pocket passer he proved that even at louisville when he was a prospect but and i'm recording this after um i obviously sent in these picks but this was before anything about all these injuries that they've had in their running back room i just think that 
the offensive line is still a work in progress. They have not really been able to, of course, find an adequate replacement for Marshall Yonda. And defensively, to lose Matthew Judon, they're going to lean on Odafe Owe to be a major contributor as a rookie. And I just don't think he has the pass rush skills at this point, the toolbox to beat NFL offensive linemen. The, he's chiseled. There's explosion. I don't know how bendy he is. You have Jalen Ferguson on the other side. He's also not very bendy. Calais Campbell is up there in age at this point. So I think defensively, the Ravens will be good. And Wink Martindale devises some of the best uh, blitz schemes in the NFL. They'll probably be, again, one of the most blitz-happy teams in football, if not the most blitz-happy. And I you know, still think Marcus Peters is good. Uh, Chuck Clark is very underrated at the safety position. Patrick Crean will probably take a step forward after a pretty bad rookie year. I just think... The Ravens, not necessarily on the decline where they're going to be a bottom-feeding team for years, but I just don't see them as one of the upper top you know, two or three or four teams in the AFC today. I, I thought that during the offseason and maybe around draft time, but if there's one top team that I was just looking at each conference that might be on the decline a little bit, I had to go with the Baltimore Ravens. My pick for defensive rookie of the year is Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. There was an injury to the starter in front of him, second year, former LSU linebacker Jacob Phillips. The Browns need a playmaker at linebacker, and that's probably why they picked Joker in the second round. He was my highest-graded defensive player in the 2021 draft class. He can cover. He can blitz. He's explosive. He's twitchy. There's nothing he can't do athletically, and I don't think he's undersized. For today's NFL, you should be somewhere probably in the 220s if you are that playmaking linebacker who needs to cover well. If it's not Jeremiah Owusu-Kormoa, it's probably going to be Micah Parsons because Dallas is going to use him as an edge rusher. They're going to blitz him a lot. I could see four, five, six, seven sacks, around 100 tackles. It's so weird how Dallas has gone from like having this young, outstanding core of linebackers and Leighton Vander Ash, who I believe still is the best three-down linebacker in Dallas when healthy, and Jalen Smith, who has really gone by the wayside in terms of he's really fallen out of favor with the coaching staff and with the fans. Can he really run as well as he could even a few years ago? He's still relatively young. So I think they're going to lean on their first-round pick, Micah Parsons. The fact that they have Leighton Vander Ash and have Jalen Smith but then they drafted Micah Parsons and then doubled up on the position with Jabril Cox, former North Dakota State standout who had a great season in 2020 transferring to LSU. Says all you need to know about what Dallas felt, how Dallas felt about its linebacker group. So one of those two linebackers, if you look at history, first-round picks are traditionally the guys who are picked for offensive and defensive rookie of the years. But I'm going outside the box with Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa playing behind Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney, some of those horses up front with the Cleveland Browns. My offensive rookie of the year pick, so I always make offensive and defensive rookie of the year selections and like rank them top like one through 10, like right after the draft, which is obviously pretty early to do it. But I decided to stick with this one. In May, I went with Justin Fields and I still believe Justin Fields will be that guy. Do I think the Bears are going to go 
let's see, 17 games, 12 and five, probably not. But I think he will add enough of a jolt to that offense. I, I don't think we're going to see Andy Dalton for very long. I think we're going to see him for a game, maybe two. Then Justin Fields will be out there. He's going to be forced to run the football a lot because the offensive line isn't good. And I think Matt Nagy will understand that he either needs to get the football out of Justin Fields' hands quickly or just hit those splash plays. Max protect, give him those deep shots to Darnell Mooney, to Allen Robinson, uh, use Cole Komet in the intermediate level. And I think Justin Fields has the passing capabilities to be that type of player who, and this has been my comparison for him all along, Deshaun Watson, who took a lot of sacks but was dynamic with his legs and loved the vertical passing game early in his career. My coach of the year is going to be Kyle Shanahan. They're kind of the trendy worst-to-first team, the 49ers. I think just they're going to be healthier. Just odds are that they're not going to be as unhealthy as they were last season. Nick Bose is back. George Kittle's back. Even Jimmy G, if he doesn't hang on to that job, I just think Kyle Shanahan will scheme up, like he always does, efficient production from the quarterback spot. And by the way, if I wouldn't pick Justin Fields for Offensive Rookie of the Year, I would go with Trey Lance. I really think Trey Lance is going to have a similar effect on that 49ers offense after replacing a veteran. You're probably wondering, hey, what about Mac Jones after the preseason? I think Mac Jones is in a great situation with his offensive line in front of him. The Patriots have quietly built up their offensive line to probably an elite level unit. I just don't know about the receivers. I like Jacoby Myers. I was a fan of his. He did not deserve to go undrafted in 2018. If he's your best receiver and your other ones are Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne, that's just in today's NFL, that's just not enough for your young quarterback to be elevated early in his career by the receivers. But I do think Mac Jones will have a, a, a solid rookie year. And defensive player of the year, I'm going with Chase Young. There's a lot of hype for the Washington football team, and most of that is due to the defensive line. Chase Young, I was high on him like everyone, but I was a little concerned about his ability to bend to the quarterback. He showed that he could last season. And I can't imagine someone that that naturally strong like Chase Young, how powerful he will be after getting a full year in an NFL strength and conditioning program. You cannot double up anyone on that defensive line because all those Alabama defenders on the inside, Montez Sweat, opposite Chase Young. It's very tough to kind of pick your poison when you're facing the Washington football team's defensive line. I think Chase Young will have a huge second season. We've seen a lot of these marquee edge rusher prospects like Khalil Mack, uh, Joey Bosa, have big second seasons. That's what we're going to get from Chase Young. One of the most polished and easy evaluations I've ever had as an NFL draft analyst. Offensive player of the year. I'm turning back the clocks with this one. I'm going with Nick Chubb. So two Cleveland Browns players winning individual awards this 2021 season. Here's my reason why. I think the Browns, this might sound crazy. I don't think they want to necessarily, for lack of a better term, feature Baker Mayfield going into this contract. And not necessarily 
solely because they don't want to pay him a big contract extension. I think given how long that franchise has needed a franchise quarterback, they'll be happy to pay Baker Mayfield. But this is a team under Kevin Stefanski that wants to be too tight end heavy, run the football. They have the best offensive line in football. Baker Mayfield still cheap. This is kind of the year for the Browns to be super good before they get into any type of financial issues. And Nick Chubb is now in his fourth season. This is the year for them to be thunderous again on the ground. Nick Chubb has averaged over five yards per carry in each of his first three years. He is, to me, the best pure running back in football. I think Derrick Henry and any of his fans would probably put up a stink to that statement to saying, hey, look, look what Derrick Henry has done. Derrick Henry can grind down a defense at 6'3 and almost 250 pounds. In terms of breakaway speed, vision, contact balance, power, that's Nick Chubb is the best version of all of those things mixed together, in my opinion. And he's running behind the league's best offensive line, especially when blocking for the run. Even if you think that, you know, maybe the Saints or the Patriots have a better pass blocking offensive line, probably a few other teams that are escaping me right now. No one is going to really debate you too hard if you say the Browns have the best run blocking offensive line with Jedrick Wills and Jack Conklin and, uh, man, all those, Wyatt Teller and all those players up front. They can really really get after it. And I think that's why Chase or why Nick Chubb is going to have a really big fourth season in the NFL and route to winning the offensive player of the year. The NFL MVP might also be the comeback player of the year. Dak Prescott. Dallas is absolutely loaded offensively. We know what the Cowboys did early last season. I think that was a little bit inflated to the fact that they were in like a shootout every single game because their defense was horrific. I don't think Dak Prescott is going to be on pace for like 7,000 passing yards with this extra game. But CeeDee Lamb in year two, Michael Gallup in his contract year, Amari Cooper still in his 20s. The offensive line is a lot healthier. I think Dak's just in for a gigantic season. And if he is, I think it's just natural for there to be a lot of hype around the Cowboys if they go from as bad as they were last year, and everyone understood why. The defense was bad, but Dak gets hurt early on. There'll be a lot of votes for Dak Prescott for MVP. Now, for my Super Bowl champion, I'm going with the Buffalo Bills. I think the Bills have the best combination of offensive talent, diverse offensive talent, where they're not necessarily just leaning on one player, although they do have superstar Stephon Diggs catching passes from Josh Allen, but to have Emmanuel Sanders, to have Cole Beasley, even Gabriel Davis, a second year wide receiver, Devin Singletary looked like a much more dynamic running back. He's always been super elusive, but he looked like he had a more of a spring in his step in the preseason. That combination of what they can do offensively on any given week, the, the defense that they match up with, the weather situation, the environment, and then defensively with Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier running that defense, what they have in terms of depth in their pass rush is fantastic. They're not a team that is going to lean on one player on that side of the ball either. And for as much as an Aaron Donald or a Chris Jones or a uh, DeForest Buckner can really change a game, 
I think once you get to the playoffs and you're facing teams that really know how to game plan and can execute a game plan to stop someone, you need secondary and tertiary players to come through and make big plays for you. Sean McDermott's defense was 12th in football outsiders DVOA last season. So for as much as people in Buffalo and maybe some of the national uh, followers, just fans in general thought, Hey, yeah, you know, the bills defense isn't very good was still really good. It was just bad by Sean McDermott standards. They bring in Gregory Rousseau, who can be that cleanup guy for Jerry Hughes, uh, AJ Epinesa. They bring back the linebackers, Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, who was a free agent, outstanding in coverage. And then they have a pretty deep secondary as well. Similar to kind of how I feel about Cleveland, even though Josh Allen got his extension, given the ages of Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, who have long been probably the best safety tandem in football. Given their ages, Tredavious White um, now entering his fifth season. He's in the prime of his career. And what they went through last year to lose on a Hail Mary, on a weird Tuesday night football to the Chiefs, uh, a weird middle-of-the-week game to the Tennessee Titans, and then in that AFC title game in Kansas City, they got that big game experience, and they were – Pretty good against every other team. They they won every other game. I think the Bills uh, getting that experience, playing Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid in Arrowhead and Sean McDermott getting the experience to realize he can't be kicking field goals on fourth down inside the 10-yard line against the Chiefs in the AFC title game will pay dividends this year. They do not play uh, murderer's row of established quarterbacks, they might face five rookies with two games against Mac Jones, two games against um, Zach Wilson, and then a game against the Jacksonville Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence. They get five rookies this year. And say what you want about how good you believe Mac Jones or uh, Zach Wilson or Trevor Lawrence will be. Rookie quarterbacks typically have more struggles than stellar play in their first seasons. And they're a lot more easily confused by defensive alterations and uh, complex coverages and blitz packages. The chiefs are slotted to face no rookies and they have a lot more difficult quarterbacks that are established veterans that are top tier quarterbacks that, than what the bills have to face. So that's, I think going to factor into the seating in the AFC and the bills at home in the playoffs with a full crowd full fan base there i can't even imagine how insane that environment would be and then of course super bowl mvp i think it will be josh allen uh the steps that he has taken in his first three years is unprecedented they they, they really are unprecedented when you're looking at history at the quarterback spot so i think josh allen will have a big super bowl and they of course tend the voters tend to lean toward the quarterbacks in the super bowl bill super bowl champion josh allen the super bowl mvp all right that's all i have for today thank you so much for listening remember to rate review and subscribe to the prospect podcast